You can tell them in the country, tell them in the town. The miners down in Mingle, their shovels down. We won't pull another pillow out another ton or lift another finger till the union we have won. Stand up, boys, let the bosses know. Turn your buckets over, turn your lanterns low. There's fire in our hearts and fire in our soul, but there ain't gonna be no fire in the hole. Come all you poor workers, good news to you, I'll tell how the good old union has come in here to dwell. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? We're starting our good battle, we know we're sure to win. Because we've got the gun, thugs are looking very thin. Which side are you on? If you go to Harlan County, there is no neutral there. You'll either be a union man or a thug for J.H. Blair. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? They say they have to guard us to educate their child. Their children live in luxury, our children almost wild. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? Gentlemen, can you stand it? Oh, tell me how you can. Will you be a gun thug or will you be a man? Which side are you on? Which side are you on? This is a stand-down order issued by the International Common Law Court of Justice and the Common Law Court of Canada Criminal Trial Division. The stand-down order is issued this day, June 1st, 2017, against the fiduciary officers, agents, and clergy of the following corporations, the Roman Catholic Church, the United Church of Canada, and the Anglican Church of Canada. You are hereby ordered to stand down and refrain from engaging in the collection of any monies for your corporation or from administering funds or properties of your corporation on the following grounds. 1. You represent convicted criminal bodies that have been found guilty under international law of genocide, child trafficking, and other crimes against humanity, and therefore have no legal right to operate or gather revenue. 2. You are defrauding Canada and its taxpayers by misrepresenting your corporations as lawful and charitable Christian societies, and thereby you are falsely claiming tax-exempt status under the Income Tax Act. And three, you and your corporations have been ordered to cease and desist from your operations and to vacate your illegal occupation of Indigenous lands across Canada by duly registered court orders. If you fail to abide by this order, you can and will be arrested, charged, and tried in our common law courts as an accessory to a crime. Issued June 1st, 2017, by the Common Law Court of Canada. And this is Radio Free Canada Live. I'm your host, Kevin Annett. It's June 4th. Welcome once again. That stand-on order was issued directly to all the officers the other day of those church, those convicted criminal church bodies. And it's been of course, handed out to churches across the country and around the world. But, of course, those are just the words. What matters is the enforcement. And in that light, uh, it's one of the reasons we played some of those songs at the start of the show today. I want to comment on that elderly lady who was singing Which Side Are You On? Her name is Della Reese, and I want to tell you a little bit about her because she kind of embodies for me the doing that we have to do besides the saying. Della Reese was the wife of a miner in West Virginia during the brutal battles of the 1930s. Um, 
And one day when they're at home, her husband Sam Reese was sitting there playing with the kids. In come through the front door, come these uh, gun thugs hired by the uh, mining company. They're looking for Sam to kill him. So Sam goes running out the back door to save his life. And the, the gun thugs go banging around the house looking for him, looking under the beds, poking their guns in the closet. The kids start screaming and crying in fear. And one of the gun thugs turns to the children and say, what are you crying for? We want, we want your old man. And they go looking for him. They go uh, tearing out, looking for, for the father, Sam Reese. Well, Della is sitting there. She's outraged. And that's the woman who you heard singing. She was in her 20s then. She's outraged. She tears a calendar off the wall, tears the back of the calendar off, and writes that song, Which Side Are You On? And, you know, to me, it, it speaks a lot of how all of these struggles come from a basic human choice. Are we going to tolerate this violence and the crime anymore, or are we going to take action? And we hold up warriors like Della Reese as the inspiration. But we're our own inspiration, too. And in that light, I want to remind you folks of a common law training workshop we are holding for all of the organizers and members of our republic and the common law movement across southern Ontario. It's going to be Saturday, July 1st in Toronto, and I want you all to sign up for this. Write to republicofcanata at gmail.com to do so. Saturday, July 1st, it's going to be all day, 9 to 5, at a co-op in uh, Toronto. We'll give you the details if you write to us to register. Uh, the three topics will be, there'll be uh, uh, discussions in small groups and, and as part of the workshop. Three topics. Uh, first, sovereignty, self-government, and the common law, how we build popular assemblies and common law courts. Second session in the common law about the common law courts itself, how do they operate and how do we enforce their verdicts. And finally, the third session on actual campaigns we're mounting, direct action methods, and building the common law republic. So that's on July 1st in Toronto, get there, and also, like the folks in various other cities in southern Ontario, organize your own workshops and direct actions in your community. Now, today as our uh, program, we are featuring, as I promised a number of uh, uh, weeks ago, uh, an exclusive interview with one of the world's authorities on the genocide in creation. Now, the reason we're talking about this genocide is because it's very relevant to crimes in Canada and around the world. During the 1930s and 40s, the Vatican directly led the slaughter of over a million people, Serbs, Jews, and Roma people, uh, in Croatia, the western part of what used to be Yugoslavia. And the, this genocide was the Catholic Church assisted the Ustashi fascist movement in Croatia in every aspect of their murderous rule, from open political and financial support to serving in the military units in every phase of the war to serving in the government, to participating in the arrest, deportations, forced conversion, and mass murder of these targeted people. Catholic priests even served as concentration camp commanders in some of the worst death camps in World War II, including the Yasanovich death camp where almost a million people died. All of this was done with the full knowledge and support of Pope Pius XII and the Vatican, and including many people later who were involved in the rat line smuggling Nazis into America and Canada. Now, the U.S. government knew about this. It's one of the reasons the Croatian genocide run by the Vatican has been suppressed for so many years. But there are a lot of similarities between that genocide and what went on in Canada. Because in the 1920s and 30s, you'll notice that the policy called Crimen Solicitanus, which forced every Catholic priest and Catholic member to suppress knowledge of crimes done against children, that policy was brought in soon after that this genocide began. So clearly it was a way whether in Canada and Croatia, 
for these genocidal acts to be covered up institutionally so that they could occur. We also saw in Canada places like the Kamloops Residential Schools, the Cooper Island Schools in British Columbia, the Mush Hole, the uh, Mohawk School in, in Brantford, Ontario. Both the Catholic and the Anglican Church directly running these death camps where half the children never came back. And again, the same pattern of Catholic priests directly running these, these death camps posing as schools or, or labor facilities. So in other words, we're seeing the same pattern. Now, the first person I'm interviewing today, uh, Dr. Uh, Zamanovich, he is the, one of the world's authorities on this. If you go to our site, itccs.org, you'll see a description and a background article about this whole genocide. Um, when the professor who will be hearing today was a young boy, he actually saw uh, headless corpses flowing down the, the Sava River from Croatia, victims from the Jasanovich death camp. It's one of the things that, like me, turned him on to a lifelong commitment commitment to exposing this Vatican genocide. So that'll be our, uh, our, our program today. It's about a 45-minute interview. It'll take up the bulk of the show. And to remind you that this will be an ongoing series to get involved in finding ways to shut down these ongoing crimes of genocide by the Vatican and others, the child trafficking and the other disappearances happening as we speak. Write to us, republicofcanada at gmail.com. Go to our websites, itccs.org and murderbydecree.com. And now, uh, without further ado, we will uh, go to the professor, uh, Savanovich, and I hope you enjoy the show. We'll be back again next week, and until then, stay strong, stay clear. Thank you, brothers and sisters. Dr. Savanovich, welcome to our program today. Thank you. We are especially happy to have you with us today because of the strong similarities between the genocide of non-Catholic people in Croatia and of Aboriginal people here in Canada. Both of these genocides have been concealed and removed from the history books. And it's an indication of how effective this concealment has been that most of our listeners, no doubt, have little or no knowledge of the crimes that you have documented in Croatia. So could you please begin by telling us today about the crime that was inflicted on the Serbs, the Roma, and the Jews by the Vatican and its expansion movement. What happened and why did it happen? I can tell you one thing. First of all, I must say that I'm the chairman of the International Commission for the Truth on Yasinovats. Prior to my appointment, there was Professor Bernard Klein from New York in United States. He was the chairman of the commission and I inherited his position when he died. I started to examine the atrocities of the Roman Catholic Church and Croats who were educated or prepared by the Roman Catholic priests and Roman Catholic teachers to hate everybody who is not a Roman Catholic, primarily the Serbs who were Orthodox, Jews, and Roma. I started to study these problems prior of my going to the Asenovac concentration camp 
and to Donja Gradina, which was a part of the Jasenovac concentration camp. I was taught by professor of forensic medicine from the medical school in Zagreb, Croatia. He was a communist, and as a communist, he was imprisoned in Jasenovac and spent the whole war there as an expert studying what was happening, but at the same time, he was just an inmate of that concentration camp. His name was Professor uh, Premeru, Professor Premeru, Ante Premeru. The hate of the Roman Catholic Church in Croatia didn't start at the beginning of the Second World War. For centuries, the Roman Catholic Church fought against Serbs because they were Orthodox and they were in their way, in their expansion to the East. We know that Crusaders never went to get the freedom to the grave of Christ but to destroy the Orthodox Byzantine Empire that happened long, long ago. And the same thing happened in Austro-Hungarian Empire. Many people now do not know or do not remember that Croats, the Roman Catholic Croats, started to ex execute Serbs long before the First World War. There were many, many such moves, not only in Zagreb, which is the capital city of Croatia, but also in many other places in Austria-Hungarian Empire. The same thing happened between the two wars, because the Communist Party of Yugoslavia made an agreement with the Croatian nationalistic Ustasha movement to destroy the Serbian Orthodox Church and the Serbian Orthodox population. And that agreement was signed, I think, in 1939 or, or before. That doesn't matter. In any case, before the First World, before the Second World War, the agreement was signed by an eminent communist leader called Moshe Piade from Belgrade and from Mile Budak, who was vice president of Croatia during the Second World War. So they made an agreement to destroy the Serbian nation and the Serbian Orthodox Church. The interesting thing is that Jasenovac concentration camp was never liberated and it was never attacked by any communist unit during the Second World War. It wasn't liberated because Croatian soldiers 
moved out of Jasenovac at the end of the war, and approximately a week after that, the first partisans came. But during the communist dictatorship in Yugoslavia, all the traces of the camp were destroyed and removed so that nobody could see anything what was happening at the site. In 1964, when we came to the site to excavate the mass graves at Yasenovac on the left side, on the left side of the river Sava and in Donia Gradina on the right side, on the right bank of the river, we found only swamps and places where they planted maize and such agriculture plants and that was all that could be seen but fortunately the department of forensic medicine of the medical school in Ljubljana in those days got a special drill and they drilled the land and when they managed to find out some remains of the bones, we knew where the mass graves were. And then we opened some of these mass graves and counted the number of victims buried there. And we found out that in a natural grave, that means on two, two square meters, there were 27 individuals approximately. So that was the average number of victims. And we knew that they managed to bury between 800 and 1,000 victims in one mass grave. Then we counted the number of mass graves which were dispersed on an area which was 12 and a half kilometers long and four and a half kilometers wide. Now we know that mass graves can be found on a much larger area. So you can find the mass graves of the victims on an area which is long 37 kilometers, but that was found out by aerial photographs and by the use of these some modern physical instruments. Most of these mass graves have never been excavated but I must say that I was watching cadavers from Yasenovac camp floating down the river Sava and into the river Danube for months and months. I can always remember a case when I was playing with my little sister at the bank of the river Danube when a cadaver of a woman who had a sort of red pullover on herself 
was pushed out from the river onto the bank just at the place where we were playing and I can never forget that the view of that cadaver later on when I was excavating in 1964 together with the team of forensic anthropologists I decided to speak for those whose silence will last forever because they can never say what happened actually to them but what happened to them actually unfortunately after that time I had the opportunity to interview a, a very large number of the victims of the Nationals concentration camp and the international Commission for the Truth of the Yasinovats managed to find out that more than 730 Serbs were executed in the Yasinovats concentration camp, 23,000 of Jews, not 33 as some of the books say, and 80,000 of Roma. And we have descriptions of these mass murders of these poor victims. In one of my reports at one of the international conferences on Yasinovats, I described the basic 20 methods of killing that they used in Yasinovats concentration camps. I also visited some of the concentration of the German concentration camps, for instance, Auschwitz and such places, and I saw that Germans used to kill their victims in a sort of an industrial way without torturing them, but Roman Catholic Croats used to torture their victims very, very much before they executed them. And the Roman Catholic priests wrote in their diaries, which were found after the Second World War, about the victims which they raped, when they raped them, at what place, and how they killed them, and where they were buried. So all that they wrote in their diaries, and we could find that quite well. For instance, one Roman Catholic priest, after the mess in his own church, said, look, Croats, go and kill all the Serbs, but first of all, kill my own sister because she got married to a Serb. And after that, come back to the church and I will 
release you of your crime and you can be the true Roman Catholics after that. We also know that the main Roman Catholic leader, the Archbishop of Zagreb, who was the head of the Bishops' Conference of Croatia in those days, and the main military Archbishop of Croatia, Aloysius Tepinac, wrote in his letter to the Pope that he managed, or that his priests managed to convert into Roman Catholicism 240,000 Serbs. When we were excavating in 1964, we were not allowed to take any pictures and no journalist was allowed to write about our work at all. When we finished our excavations in Jasenovac and Donia Gradina, and when I came back to Belgrade, or better to say to Novi Sad, which is just 50 miles from Belgrade, I found out that I'm persona non grata, and I had to emigrate from Yugoslavia of that day. That was Yugoslavia because I would lose my job and I would probably be imprisoned because I learned something and I knew something that the communist government of the day didn't wish to be known. And that's how I ended up in Central Africa just five and a half months after my work in Yasenovac and Donia Gradina. I think that the Roman Catholic Church and their priests and their nuns managed to kill many, many non-Roman Catholic children because Croatia was the only country in the world that had a concentration camp for extermination of non-Roman Catholic children. That was the only state in the world that had such a concentration camp in the first part of that concentration camp, there were children aged from birth to one year of age. And in the second part were children between one and four years and so on. In any case, the International Commission for the Truth on Yasenovitz found out that in the Yasenovitz system of Croatian camps for ex extermination of Serbs, Jews, and Roma, more than 110,000 children below the age of 14 were executed. 
the main executors of small children were the Roman Catholic nuns. Some people cannot believe in that, but many, many witnesses said that, and I know that many of these Roman Catholic nuns confessed after the Second World War what they actually did. And many, many children were found in mass graves. We found out that the mass graves in the Yasinovats part of the concentration camp were those victims who were imprisoned in more than 1,100 places in the independent state of Croatia. They were robbed during their imprisonment and came without any possession to the Asenovac concentration camp. On the Bosnian side, in Donja Gradina, on the right bank of the river Sava, victims were brought directly from their villages and from the small towns to the mass graves and they were executed and pushed into the mass grave together with all the things that they possessed. And there we found a lot of some of gold coins which were hidden in their clothes. We found the Jewish stars or crosses and such things made of gold or silver and all these gold and silver we measured carefully and gave to those who organized the excavation and after that time I don't know what happened to that gold I think that it was stolen God knows by whom, but in any case, it disappeared. So the Roman Catholic Church was the one which organized all these things. I remember that at one meeting of the International Commission for the Truth on Yasinovac, which was held in New York, I don't remember now in which year it was, but in any case, Birnbaum, who was an expert from United States, he reported that more than 1,400 Roman Catholic priests in Croatia themselves committed crimes. That means they were killers of Serbs, Jews, and Roma. Later on, the International Commission for the Truth of the Asenauts found out the names of 1,371 such priests, not 1,400 as the Americans have. But the Americans managed to get hold of German archives after the Second World War, and so they had much better information. 
I also studied a number of reports written by German military officers during the Second World War who reported to Hitler and his government what was happening in Croatia during the Second World War and they were appalled by the atrocities that the Roman Catholic priests and the Roman Catholic Croats committed during the Second World War. At the same time, there were reports by the Italian officers who reported to their superiors and to their government about atrocities. Some of them were surprised to see how serious were the crimes committed against innocent Serbian population because Croatian peasants used to kill their neighbors Serbs just to get hold of their property of the of the food that is stored and such things and try to move into their houses and to live there and that's why they killed them. The same thing happened with Croatian intellectuals with students of the secondary school, with students of the university. They were those who were committing crimes, committing crimes even against their own teachers. They used to rape their own teachers and professors who used to teach them and to teach them properly. But they were Serbs, they were Orthodox, they were Jews, they were Roma, so they killed them at the same time. But the main organizer... Doctor, I just had, I'm, excuse me for interrupting, but um, it, could you tell us the role that the Pope played, the direct ties between the papacy in Rome and these crimes. You mentioned the Archbishop. Can you tell about the evidence you have implicating Rome directly? Yes, I can tell you that as well. Because when the worst racial racialist laws were passed in Croatian Parliament, all the bishops and all Catholic, Roman Catholic priests who were members of that parliament were present and also the Pope's representative Marconi was also present at that meeting when they decided that everybody can kill any Orthodox Serb or any Jews or any Roma without having to answer for that crime and anybody could rob them, rape them, and do whatever they like. And the Serbs, Jews, and Roma were forbidden to go along a pavement of a street, but they had to walk 
along the middle of the street like cattle and there were many notices that Serbs and dogs cannot enter certain premises and so on. They made special ghettos for Jews, for Serbs and for Roma and so on. And Roman Catholic Church knew that quite well. At the same time, the Archbishop of Zagreb, Aloysius Stepinac, wrote a letter to the Pope claiming that they managed to convert 240,000 Orthodox Serbs into Roman Catholicism. So that was one thing. The other thing was that they used to convert Serbs into Roman Catholics, into Roman Catholicism, and then to kill them because they knew or they believed that they will go to heaven as Roman Catholics and not go to hell as an Orthodox or a Jew and so on. So these were terrible things. And now we have a witness from Yasenovac who is living in Australia, who saw himself, Aloysius Stepinac, the Arch Archbishop of Zagreb, how he is slaughtering a Serbian child. And there are many, many such cases. I cannot tell you everything in a short time. But in any case, the Roman Catholic Church knew quite well what was happening. And the Archbishop of Zagreb, Aloysius Stepinac, used to take the murderers and killers from Jasenovac to Vatican to meet the Pope who blessed them. Thank you. What Could you also describe um, how they went about killing people, especially the children? What they did to small children, the Roman Catholic nuns used to poison them to use the caustic soda to spread over their mouth and they used to die in severe pains. They also forbid the children after the six o'clock in the evening to pee or to do whatever they needed to do over the night. And if any child did anything during the night, that, that child was killed because they used to smash their heads on the walls of the premises where they were held. And all these walls were covered in blood at the time when Yasenovac was liberated at the end of the war. So that's what they did. They used to kill those children, they used to starve them, they used to expose them to cold, 
too cold weather or wind and so on. And the winters were very, very strong in those days. So that's how they used to kill the children. Thank you. Can you describe your efforts to bring this truth to the world and how it's continued to be uh, censored and stopped? The problem is that testimonies from Yasinovats and all the reports and discussions from the first conference on Yasinovats, which was held in New York, was forbidden. In the United States, there was a decision by the court in the United States that all these books should be withdrawn from libraries and destroyed, and that nobody should know what was happening in Yasinots. But we managed to publish these reports outside the United States, and we tried to, di to distribute that to the libraries throughout the world. At the same time, I must say that we had six international conferences on Yasinovats, which were held in New York, in Jerusalem, and in Banja Luka in Bosnia and Herzegovina. And all the reports and all the discussions were published in English and in Serbian language and distributed to the libraries everywhere in the world. So the truth about Yasinovac is well known for those who wish to know it. But unfortunately, we are talking now about something that happened 75 years ago. And the people who are now 75, they were born after the Second World War, and they know nothing about all these atrocities. And the Croatian government and the people in Croatia and Vatican and the Roman Catholic Church don't want the truth to be known to anybody in the world. They wish to cover up all these atrocities. Now, I understand that the uh, some of the people involved in the Ustash and the Croatians and the Vatican were involved in smuggling Nazis with the Americans out of Europe after the war. Do you think that might be why the American government is trying to conceal this crime? Of course, they try to conceal the crime, but there are still some victims who openly say what happened to them. And there are many researchers I know, for instance, some of the researchers from the United States who are interested in this matter and who came even to Bosnia and to Yasinovac to see what actually happened. And they wrote about that. But who is reading these books? Because that's history. People 
are not very much interested in all these things. I myself try to write the books and try to give lectures and I I'm going around the world giving lectures about that. But the number of people who are listening to me is a very limited number. Except maybe in United States. Last year I gave a lecture in United States where 250,000 people were present. I was standing at the top of a hill with a loudspeaker and spoke to them and they knew nothing about that what happened in Yasenovac. That was on the 4th of July. It is the American holiday on that day, one of the national holidays. And all of them came to Libertville, where, where I spoke about atrocities of the Roman Catholic Church and what actually happened to Serbs, Jews and Roma in Yasenovac concentration camp. What kind of work needs to happen today if there was to be another excavation? an investigation into these crimes. What kinds of things would you like to see investigated? I always say that the truth about the number of victims can be found 120 centimeters below the surface of the earth. So if anybody doesn't trust the International Commission of Experts from four continents, about their figures, they can dig and find out themselves, but they can find out only those victims who were buried in mass graves. But what about the victims that were thrown into the river Sava and floated by the river Sava into the Danube and down to the Black Sea? We shall never know the names of these people. We shall never know the names of the people who were cooked for making a soap. But you can still see the place and what they used for making the soap from cadavers of these poor victims. They are still there in Dona Gradina. We shall never know how many children were cut out, unborn children were cut out from the homes of their mothers and killed in front of their mothers. And we shall never know how many people died of hunger or because they were exposed to winter colds and winter winds and such things, how many of them died of various diseases and infestations. So it's very difficult to find out the true number. There was a number of statisticians who used for their statistics the data from 1931, which were the true data, and then they calculated how many people 
would be born and so on, how many of them disappeared, and then they found different figures. But you cannot trust any of them because they simply don't know. They don't know how many people were buried alive. They don't know how many people were burned down in crematoriums. So I only know that two wagon cars of dust was found from those victims who were taken out of mass graves and burned by Croats who wished to cover up their crimes and that was done from 42 and throughout 43 and 44. They used to take many, many cadavers from us graves and burn them down. But how many of them they were burned, I, we don't know. So I don't think that it would be an easy thing to find out the true figure at the end. But the International Commission who studied archives, German, Italian, Croatian and other archives and also the excavations which were done in Jasenovac and Donja Gradina, then they came out to a figure of more than 730,000 Serbs killed in this Croatian system of concentration camps. Professor, I want to thank you. Uh, this was the first series of interviews I hope we can do together, but um, I want to thank you today. It's been an honor to speak to you, and I, I will speak to you again very soon. I thank you for your time. Thank you, and thank you all the listeners. Support